Hello, this is Mike Stranks welcoming you to this CMS Audio Mission Prayer Focus for October 2013. This month we'll be hearing from two people associated with CMS and involved in mission and then reflecting briefly on what we've heard. Felipe and Sarah Yanath have been working as CMS mission partners in southern Spain for about six years. Not only do they work in their local church, but they're involved in various projects, reaching out in practical and other ways to their community. I think we're all aware that the global recession has hit Spain particularly hard. Felipe and Sarah encounter its devastating effects on individuals all of the time. Sarah told Sarah Holmes about one person in their family who they've sought to support. Maritza is a friend of mine who originally is from Bolivia. She spent a number of years, about eight years, working and living in, in Israel. Got married, had her two children, moved to Spain and has been in Spain now about the same sort of time, eight, nine years. Regular attendee at our church, very faithful, relatively new believer, really only, only came to faith a few years ago. Amazing prayer, hearing her pray and, and, and intercede for people. But her husband, Mateo, he was working in the construction business, not really with qualifications as such, but had a, a good job with, with a company that was quite big during the boom of the of construction. He was not a believer, and he lost his job a few years ago. Bit by bit, the company became smaller and smaller until, and we thank God, really, that really up to the last minute, he maintained his, his job within the company. Um, but then... His boss and him just could not continue. There was not enough work and he could only have just occasional work and they could not make ends meet as a family. Um, she with an older daughter and, and her son who, who I suppose at the time was seven um, and they could not make ends meet, couldn't pay their mortgage. She was working as cleaner in a house part-time um, and this took its toll. The economic struggles took its toll um, Mateo, who's a friend of Felipe's, um, we used to have him around for barbecues, we, we did a lot of things together, um, but it took its toll on him. He became quite depressed, he became very frustrated and angry, and not being a believer, Maritza had her strength in God and, you know, shared this with him, and that actually made things more difficult because he didn't want to know anything about that. Anyway, things got more difficult, and uh, she became pregnant last summer, and... Unfortunately, um, he very soon after left her for someone else, um, person known to her, which was very difficult. We walked this journey with them. Um, we spending a lot of time. It was sitting, drinking coffee, listening, shoulder to cry on. Um, Mateo at this point became very anti-church. Um, unfortunately, some people from the church had had tried to speak to him which, because he didn't feel they had any authority to speak into the situation, made it very difficult. Um, Felipe, just by being there, just by sending him text messages, wanting to meet up for coffee, wanting to show his availability and friendship without judging the situation, um, managed to maintain communication with him. Um, it's been sporadic on and off over the year, but they have maintained contact and have maintained at least an avenue of communication open. Maritza has gone through a very difficult time this year, what with the pregnancy as well and, and dealing with her, her younger son who's, who's now eight and, and his reactions and then the 15-year-old daughter and her reactions. Um, 
it's been a difficult journey. Meanwhile, there was a threat of eviction over them because of not having paid their mortgage. Thankfully, in Andalusia, they have just recently passed a law whereby families in vulnerable situations, particularly social vulnerable situations, can now apply for a three-year, um, I suppose, delay on having to pay their mortgages. And she is in the process of applying now um, with lawyers from an association in Malaga for this three-year um, period of grace, as it were, where she would be paying um, a small amount to um, social services and the government picks up the rest of it to pay to the bank and that would just give her three years of just being able to breathe um, as she learns to, to become a single mother. Maritza is an amazing woman, very strong, very courageous. There have been times in this year where her husband has wanted to come home and she has wanted to have him home. She has wanted to f be able to forgive and move on and form her family again and, and reconstruct the family. Unfortunately, he really hasn't been in a place emotionally to be able to commit um, to return home. But she has extended grace time and time again and has been an amazing witness of a woman really transformed by God um, over these few years and that God has given her the strength and God has provided every step of the way. It's been a privilege to walk alongside her um, and watch her hanging on to God for dear life many times, to be able to cry together, to be able to share in the struggles, to practically help, to pray with her, um, to encourage her faith when she's been wobbly. It's walking alongside people. That That is a lot of what we do. And, and I think the example of walking this journey with Maritza has been... Uh, for me, it's it's trying to it's trying to follow the footsteps of Jesus. It's trying to show the exa you know he showed us an example of of walking alongside people, of meeting people where they're at, of not judging people, of accepting where they're at, um, speaking into their lives, but in a way that brought grace, um, and not in a in a way that that was was judgmental or telling them what to do, but to get people to think about their lives um, to eat with people but but it was time and you know being a Christian is about relationship it's relationship with God it's relationship with other people and you can only have a relationship if you spend time and I think in this world we don't have enough time I think life becomes very busy we fill it with all sorts of things and I think sometimes we need to just make more time for those people that God puts in our path to be able to walk journeys alongside them and support people. And uh, and that's a big part of what we're trying to do. Sarah Yanath explaining how a large part of the work that she and her husband Felipe are doing in southern Spain is meeting and supporting people where they are in their lives and being the Christ light to them. Let's pray for Felipe and Sarah as they seek to minister in situations where people are often without hope and have seen their world fall apart around them. Let's also pray that Felipe and Sarah will have great wisdom and great compassion and, as Sarah has said, walk in the ministering footsteps of Jesus. Pray too for their children, Samuel and Aaron. 
As we meet CMS mission partners through these audio mission prayer focuses, we often hear how they went to serve the church doing a specific task, but have ended up doing something quite different. That's true of Nick Wooding, who's been in Kampala, Uganda, for the last four years with his wife Kate and their two teenage children. When Kate and Nick met Jeremy Woodham, Nick explained the job change he's experienced. I originally went out to work in the slums and try and do some development and some medical work since I'm a doctor. But after a year, I was appointed vice-chancellor of a university. So for the past three years, I've been running a university which has included developing the courses that are there, developing some new courses that are health-related, doing some research related to slum health problems. Uh, We've also put on a play, uh, had a Christian fellowship we started, um, on top of running the staff and doing some teaching as well. Okay, so I guess involving a bit of adjustment is a very common sort of mission story with people going out to do one thing, finding themselves in a different role. Mm. How does that feel? How do you make that work? I think it would be very hard if you're fixed on one role, but if we are called to follow Jesus and be obedient to him, then we have to follow where he goes. So um, the Vice-Chancellor resigned. I don't have the requisite academic background, I think, for this country, but I'd run Chiwoka Hospital, Mission Hospital, and the owner knew that. So he asked me to come in to uh, run things, but it also means that I could achieve my aims and what I felt the calling was to work in the slums from a different level. Instead of being at the lower level, I could actually direct programs in terms of how we looked at health, the research we did, uh, inspiring students and staff to think about slums rather than rural areas. Uh, So I think God in his wisdom achieved his aims by a different route which was more effective so the other slum areas kind of neglected in terms of is it is that the focus in the church run healthcare is that on rural areas or has it been i think we're not just talking about the church but often in let's say aid agency and the financing it's much easier to run things in rural areas because you have a stable population maybe speaking one language who've lived there for generations and so there can be a program that can be run among the community. But in slums, people may be moving every few weeks uh, for whatever reason. And so to have a program there is different. Also, some of the people in slums are refugees from countries like uh, Eastern Congo. Some have come to study. Some have come from Southern Sudan. Different tribes are mixed up. And uh, so there's not a homogeneous group to work in. And I didn't know the answer to that, but realised that it's complicated compared to working rural areas. So I think that's maybe one reason it's neglected. And have you seen some kind of progress in that in among your students, among the the place you've been working in terms of prioritising those more? Yeah, one thing we've done, um, we did a survey in the slum looking at health needs. Uh, uh, how much does it cost to access health care? Uh, how many children do people have? What are the death rates for uh, children? Uh, most families seem to have lost a child, which is an amazing thing if you think about a UK-based family. It's very rare for a child to die, but it's very common uh, with seemingly most families having experienced the loss of a child. Um, so we looked into that, but we're working with uh, a charity 
to do uh, some surveys so that they could do some work and they've started clearing garbage building latrines and just helping so we've been partnering with a charity in that then we've also worked in another slum looking at the causes of deaths of mothers and children under five and there are about 80 of them in one parish which when you think about a parish in the UK if there are 80 deaths of mothers and children in one year there'd be a national inquiry but in Uganda it just carried on so we then had uh, a meeting with stakeholders let's say from the Ministry of Health and other health units just to talk about why people are dying and it's often the same stories of people not really realizing they or their child need medical care so they ignore problems they're not being able to get money to get to a health unit maybe because the wife is a co-wife and the husband's living somewhere else with his first wife and she needs to get money from him to be able to travel and pay for a medical bill and then when they get to the health unit sometimes getting the wrong treatment because they can't pay a bribe or they uh, the staff aren't giving quality care and we we heard that again and again and hopefully and we used our students in doing that survey as well so hopefully when they've students have gone through that they realize there's a whole need out there and they've also got some skills of addressing those needs Nick Wooding telling Jeremy Woodham about the work that he's been involved in recently as Vice-Chancellor of the University in Kampala, Uganda. As we pray, we'll thank God for the skills and academic abilities he's given to Nick to be able to fulfil this demanding role and ask that God will continue to enable him and Kate as they now settle back in Oxford and seek their part in God's mission here in the UK. And let's also remember their children, Anna and Ben, in this time of transition. Our reflection on what we've heard in this Audio Mission Prayer Focus is brought to us by Lisa Lewis of the CMS Church Relations Team. Whilst listening to Sarah Yanis and Nick Wooding speak, um, I've been thinking about the way that they're going about doing their mission, doing their work, doing the work of the Kingdom. And it seems not to be about standing and preaching and reading from the Bible and and telling people uh, about uh, God in a very sort of head knowledge way, but it's about coming alongside people. We've heard Sarah speak about Maritza and Matteo in Andalusia and the way that uh, she considers it a privilege to come alongside uh, particularly Maritza and uh, to, to walk with her as she goes through her journey with God. Uh, What a privilege that is, Um, and Sarah says that herself. And for Nick and Kampala in the slums, looking at how he's coming alongside people, listening to their needs, and helping them to work out for themselves what what they need to do for their neighbourhood and their communities. And again, what a privilege to come alongside people. It reminded me of a very well-known passage in the Bible uh, of Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman at the well from John 4 and the verses that I've just highlighted um, are 13 and uh, 13 14 and 15 Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus meets that woman exactly where she is. He then goes on to ask her about her husband's, and we all know the story, I'm sure, uh, where she says, I don't have any husband, uh, I don't have a husband right now. Jesus says, no, you're right, you've had five, and uh, you're now living with a man who's not your husband. Uh, But Jesus doesn't say it to condemn her. He just reflects her life back to her, uh, for her to to work out for herself uh, what what she needs to do. He knows that she's thirsty, And instead of saying, well, you should have had uh, water like this before. Why haven't you come and found it before? He just talks about the water that he offers. And she responds. She wants that water from him. He's very much coming alongside that woman, meeting her where she is and offering her what she needs, walking with her, not condemning and judging her. And if we, as Christians look to the Bible as we do and look at Jesus as our example of how to relate to people, then this is a great uh, passage for us to just briefly look at on this audio mission and consider what a privilege we all have, whether we're in Andalusia, whether in the slums in Kampala, whether we're in South America or Africa, Asia, Europe, or right here in our own neighbourhoods where we live and work. What a privilege we have as Christians to come alongside people, to work with people as they work through their relationship with God. What an amazing privilege. Thanks for joining me for this October 2013 Audio Mission Prayer Focus. I do hope that not only has it been informative and interesting, but also that it's helped you focus your prayers on specific key issues. I'm Mike Stranks and this has been a Church Mission Society production.